In case you missed it, Logitech just announced the new MX Keys S keyboard with a superior low-profile typing experience, enhanced smart illumination, and 17 programmable hotkeys. The new smart actions in the Logi Options Plus app gives you the power to skip repetitive actions by automating multiple tasks with a single keystroke. It's like macros with a little magic. Go to Logitech.com to find out more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, place to talk all things software and technology. I'm your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined by two of my wonderful colleagues, Ryan Donovan, who's the editor over on our blog and newsletter, and my buddy, Kyle Vitoski, sometimes podcast co-host. We were together in San Francisco for Next.js last year. Um, Kyle, what is your... Uh, Give me, your, give me your title again. I am a senior software developer here at Stack Overflow. So today we're going to be chatting with Itamar Friedman, who's the founder and CEO of Codium AI, talking about code integrity, the way they're leveraging AI and other things to generate cool tests within the IDE. And of course, given that it's in the air, I think we're going to talk a bit about how tools like this and the wider swath of uh, changes in the AI space are kind of redefining the world of software development and how some of that is even trickling out to the end user and consumer, the way people are going to be interacting with computers, the bicycle for the mind, as I like to say, I like to take it for a ride every morning. Um, so Itamar, Ita, welcome to the program. I'm very excited to be here. Great. Thank you for hosting. Of course, of course. So I'll ask a quick, easy question and then I'll get out of the way and let folks like Kyle, who've played around with your stuff, dig in. Just for our listeners, give them a quick background. How did you end up in the world of software and technology? And then more specifically, how did you end up as a, a sort of co-founder and CEO at the place you are now? Awesome. So I guess like most of the geeks, I started as a teenager. I had my first company already back then, like 30 clients and a dozen of employees. Actually, my first ever employee is today my co-founder, Betty uh, Credo. I then uh, did my uh, bachelor degree in uh, electric engineering, specializing in machine learning, also a master degree. It's in the Technion. I also was in the army in the relevant fields. I uh, worked in uh, Mellanox to become uh, NVIDIA. I actually worked on verification, and that uh, relates to what we do today. I worked in another startup, also on verification, and then start my first startup. Uh, it was a great ride, uh, amazing growth, but uh, also beautiful collapse. <laughs> and then I had my third company, which is the second startup uh, that we did quite well, eventually acquired by Alibaba Group. And uh, I started the uh, Alibaba Group uh, R&D Center in Israel, in Tel Aviv. And uh, for four years, uh, really satisfying times, did a, a lot of uh, machine learning, developing an AutoML solution as part of uh, Alibaba Cloud, uh, as well as building an, uh, an app with a dozen of AI capabilities, uh, reached uh, 10 million monthly active users. And that's like to sum it up, it's like uh, 20 years of uh, managing R&D, which sounds like uh, crazy when I say it. And one of my biggest pains was dealing with code logic. There is tools for vulnerability, tools for performance, but code logic is, uh, is, is tough. And uh, doing all the large language models and, and vision models, by the way, and, and, and Alibaba, I realized that in 2021, uh, uh, we reach quite far. And if you're able to frame a problem as a language, then AI could take you very far with helping you to, to mitigate or solve uh, your pains. And, and that's when I left Alibaba in the beginning of 22 and middle of uh, 22 started uh, Codemi. Very cool. Yeah, I think uh, before Kyle runs ham on this, you know, we get a lot of um, posts about code quality, but you want to talk about code integrity. Can you give us a, a sort of definition of what exactly code integrity is? 
So I think code quality, roughly speaking, we can divide it into functional and non-functional. Uh, do, do you agree about that? Like, and I think like most code quality tools today um, and then products are more focused on the non-functional, like the performance, uh, drive, do you repeat yourself with your code? But for functional, I think that we're really missing tools. For example, in hardware, we actually did have, like when I worked in the hardwareification, there are some formal tools, et cetera. And, and software, you have like fuzzy testing, mutation testing, but none of them really you know, feels uh, comfortable enough or useful enough unless you're sending, I don't know, like uh, spaceships and then you probably don't have a choice. But for most other software, you probably won't use it. So when we're talking about code quality, I think roughly speaking, most people actually are relating to to non-functional, I'm talking about the functional part. And for that, when we talk about the code level, then for us, code integrity, the most basic like part of it is code logic testing, like verifying that the code is working behavioral-wise as expected. Uh, that's like the, the narrowest definition of code integrity. And if you may, like more generally speaking, then then also like uh, you can take the like part of the vulnerabilities and, and developer experience, etc. For example, if you're able to verify code logic, then probably you can also, for example, help with automation of, of pull requests and verifying that these are done according to best practices. So like for us, code integrity also like the biggest envelope also includes that part. Yeah. So code quality is thing. Of course we want it. And maybe it's hard to like actually like say this has quality 10, this has quality seven, but there are paths to get there. And one of the paths is testing, right? We have test coverage around our code and it gives us confidence in that code. And I think that's something that Codium AI is looking to do. One of the challenges, of course, is every team I'm a part of is like, yeah, we should test more, right? Like, yeah, we want to test. We have some tests, not a lot, <laughs> right? And it's this constant grind to kind of extract tests from the development workflow and actually there. You know, they run on every single build, assuming you have some CI service that's going to do it. They're there. You don't have to run them uh, uh, manually. You get them for free in perpetuity, but they're hard to get in there uh, uh, initially. And I guess that seems like where this is trying to add that nudge to be like, hey, test this, hey, test this, this edge case here. And there's even kind of, uh, you know, I was poking around with this a little, cool edge cases like, hey, have you passed null into here? That's a valid input. What happens when you do that? And you get to decide when you write the test what the valid output is. You might not have thought about that yourself. But having something automatically give you a test, uh, it was kind of cool there. I guess I'm monologuing here. If you want to speak to what the, the role of just adding tests in to a code base is, what the role of the software is to ensure code quality, where you see that. So I, I want like, just for the case, yeah, sorry, some of our listeners uh, didn't yet try us. Oh, so I'll explain like really shortly what we do. <laughs> um, so Codium AI basically is a AI coding assistant that focuses on helping developers reach zero bugs. And that, that's important. Like our vision is and our focus is around helping verify code intent. Like, for example, Tesla, the division is zero omission. Then for us, zero bugs. Let's clean the internet from bugs. No more bugs in software. That, that's where we want to get to. It's very hard, I know, but you know it's important. And basically, what we do in Codemiati develop our first product is an ID extension that sits aside to your code. Like if you have a, one tab open on your code, then you have another tab open, open with Codemiati. And with Codemiati, what you can do is, is basically create tests, and get different challenges or on your code. Test is one way to do it, like you said, Kyle. But there are other ways to to verify uh, 
coding TED. So, so definitely, like you said, Kyle, I think like developers do not tend to add tests too much during coding because they hate it. Or they do it because they think it's important, but they still hate it. And uh, our role here in the world is to spread love and stop with this uh, hatred towards verifying your code uh, logic while you write your code. And the way we to do it is somehow help to reduce the time it takes from 10 hours to 15 minutes and do it in an interactive manner. So like you mentioned, Kyle, we, we try to uh, automatically raise edge cases, uh, happy paths, challenge you with a failing test and, and explaining why it might actually fail because of the code. I don't know if you bumped into that, but it happens uh, often, etc. So there's like a little layer of sort of like gamification and discovery there that you're using to try to make it more enjoyable. Like folks are giving you a code base or a repo to scan, and then you're coming back to them with a few, hey, have you tried this? Like Kyle was kind of saying, but what about null? You know, um, and as you walk through that, then maybe that's a less grueling process than, oh, God. Guys, we, we always need more test coverage, right? Do we have enough? Well, what is enough? When do we know enough is enough, right? Yeah. So I want to relate to both the gamification and the code coverage. So gamification, yes, but we didn't yet take it to the extreme, yeah. like maybe even not close to that. For example, even badges we didn't give yet, although we we're thinking about it. Like there are many types of tests that you, you can use, property-based testing and, and other like a dozen of types. And usually when you do CS or bachelor degree in computer science, you do learn so much about different software paradigms, but almost never on testing. And I guess that most developers won't go do testing uh, like course on Udemy or something like that. So a part of our, our purpose in our ID is like step-by-step -step get your queue more educated. So for example, adding badges for a different type of tests or you mm. covered something, something we're thinking about, but we didn't do it. But the core functionality, like it's not gamification towards like games, but the core functionality is interactive, making things smooth and and fun. So definitely, uh, yes. Um, we might go a bit towards badges and things like that, again, for education purpose. Now, now about the code coverage, I want to say something. I think like um, we interviewed like almost 100 directors or managers of R&D and uh, engineers, programmers, et cetera. And, and we asked them about, uh, you know, how they measure uh, code quality or how they measure uh, whether they have enough tests or not. And one of the things we heard, of course, is code coverage, but but we heard that people think, and they're aware, in my opinion, it's, it's aware that the code coverage actually is a proxy metric that you actually sufficiently cover your code and even maybe a vanity metric. And uh, one of the things that we want to help with is to also explain a bit the importance or the value of different tests. So when you're generating tests, basically what you want to make sure is that you cover important behaviors of your software. So it's a good thing if you could supposedly map all the behavior of your software and then verify that these behaviors are covered by tests. So it's not like lines, uh, how many lines you cover, rather how many important behavior. Behaviors are almost like dev stories, almost like user stories to, to some extent. So this is something that Coding AI also helps to auto-generate. Uh, oh, by the way, also TDD style. Like you can create behavior even, even if they don't exist yet in the code. And after you finish defining the behavior, you can generate the test that fail and with that generate the code that makes the test uh, green. 
checking in here as in a former life, maybe as a writer of bad tests, where we had a code base where we measured the test coverage and you you could not get below 80%. And if you did, that commit failed. And so you had to chip in some tests somewhere and whatever the minimum effort was to push out this feature unrelated to the test, that's what people did. And so, yeah, I totally agree that sometimes the absolute raw number in code coverage is a vanity metric. I mean, uh, it's certainly good to have, but pursuing it in its own right seems like the wrong end to yeah. getting lots and lots of exactly. test coverage. Yeah, I mean, it, any metric used as a goal becomes worthless, right? It's really interesting that you all are not just generating tests, but you're trying to teach people how the tests work and how to understand it. Because I think a lot of the criticisms leveled against the sort of generative AI space is that it's just giving you the answer without you understanding it. How much of that goes into your thinking about this? Okay, that, that's a very important aspect for us. Um, two different uh, customers told me today that they're using for, for a while code generation. In the beginning, it's like a lot of excitement. And then when they really try to analyze uh, the effectiveness, they think it kind of sum to, to zero. I'm not saying that this is true for everyone, and uh, there is a lot of, of reports that I could totally get it. And then, by the way, I'm also using Code Generator, and I think it's cool. But I think like it's basically like a very advanced search, and the magic also might also create some selection bias that you got this piece of code. Okay, it worked so many times. I'll select this and let's move on, and later I will verify. And, and like maybe didn't put your entire like thinking into it. And at Code AI, what we try to do. It's not the opposite, but a different direction where we want to uh, help you think maybe easier. Our first goal is not helping you generate more code, rather making it easier for you to think about your code and verifying your code. And then a byproduct, you also generate more code, but also on higher quality. So it's very important for us. And this is why, for example, one of the features that actually was introduced, I think, a few days ago is the fact that if a test fails, for example, we're telling you, hey, we think that if actually the test is wrong, here is the reasoning and here is how to fix. And if your code is wrong, so here is why and here is how to fix. And then like, it forces you to think for a second, but it, it helps you like, even may, maybe let, let you think about things you wouldn't think otherwise, but help you think about these things much faster and, uh, and it save you like uh, small notches. So that's how we think about it. It's very important for us to, to challenge the developer and help help the developer to reduce the time it, it would take to challenge itself. Like, think about it like an additional developer doing for you reviews as your views as you go. But uh, right. these are not annoying, but actually fun and uh, and helping you cover those things that you don't want to do yourself, as opposed yeah. to helping you to do the things that you do want to do, which is coding. Yeah, I was chatting the other day with some of the folks who were working on Google's generative models before the IO announcement, and they said exactly that. But the issue, to your point, is when you have that, you can ask it to do a million things, and all of a sudden, you've got tons and tons of code, which you now have to review. Was it actually efficient? Or to Ryan's like point that he makes a lot, like, does this really meet the requirements for the project? Like, now I have something that could just endlessly be generating code. That's not necessarily a good thing. It'll end up later with more headaches, you know, to deal with their test coverage that you have to spin out. Exactly. So I guess like each of that you wanted to sort of look at this more broadly. I guess one of the things I'm curious about, to your point, yeah, where do you use this judiciously? So, you know, from that broader perspective, what are you excited about and what are you, you know, maybe a little trepidatious about? Like you mentioned wanting to chat about how the world of software development is going to change you know, what are you looking ahead to? And and yeah, I guess, you know, within your organization, you mentioned you have code generators. So how are you trying to use them and use them 
you know, in a way, because you kind of said this, we're seeing a lot of productivity gains being claimed, but maybe customers are coming back to you and saying after a few weeks, well, actually, no, we've just got tons and tons of spaghetti, you know, that we don't really know what to do with now. So first of all, uh, I'm too excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, Codemia is very active in the AutoGPT community and repository. Uh, We're a contributor there is like a few of the developers. Actually, Torin and I, the maker of AutoGPT, had just uh, this week a workshop. It's recorded online where we talked about uh, AutoGPT roadmap as well as CodeMAI vision. So uh, we're very excited about the idea of agents and automation. As I see it, I think there there are going to be two groups of tools. Perhaps that there will be assistants and agents. And for example, for me, Copilot is, is an assistant. It's like almost like in Gmail, like helping you to continue writing writing your email. And the agents are more like an additional team member that has certain skills that almost can complete work end to end. And maybe you need to review it. By the way, maybe uh, that additional uh, you know team member reviews your code, but you still need to review the review. Like, and this is how you almost always do it. So I think like eventually, I think that we will see agents all around the place. We will see an agent giving you comments while you're doing the pull request. Um, you, you will see Codium AI agent. Right now, it's an assistant, and it's getting more and more automated. But you will see soon Codium AI agent that helps you. Look, oh, hey, dude, you uh, did a pull request uh, finding a bug, but you didn't show a test that shows that it's failed before and pass after. Here is mm. a suggestion. Okay, and it's like end to end. It's like it, it tried it, it verified it, and now it's suggesting you to do that. I think we'll see also agents even in other locations like deployment, helping you to deploy almost uh, like to the clouds. Or so it's not only about uh, about coding. So we've kind of talked about agents, you know, kind of something that smells like a PR review. Somebody's like, "Hey, have you thought about this?" And I think you push enough code to production, you get all this scar tissue of like this thing went wrong, and oh, I need to go fix it in the future. I forgot to add cache. I forgot to add docs or something. Right? I forgot to do this thing that would have helped teammates uh, work on this problem. And so sometimes you get a pull request and somebody chips in some comments. Hey, have you thought about this? Right, That that reviewer mindset of doing it. And the challenge is when you're trying to write code is that junior folks might not have as deep a toolkit. They might not have all of that muscle memory built up. And for senior folks, it's just a lot to remember, right? Like uh, you start something from scratch and it doesn't have any of those things yet and you forget to do it. So for a long time, we've had tools like ESLint that kind of help give you those nudges while, you know, shift left while you're in your IDE. It says, hey, by the way, you know, you never reassigned this variable. Maybe maybe make it a const or something, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and we've had those based on abstract syntax trees. And th- there's a lot we can do with those. My understanding is now we're kind of moving into this new wave of the recommendations not going to be based on abstract syntax tree and AST. It's going to be based on this AI. AI decides what imaginary rule you violated, explains the rule to you, says, I think you violated this rule and here's where to go from here. Do you see us moving from these kind of more static tools to these uh, more LLN-based tools for those suggestions that get chipped in? So it goes like this. I think the collaboration between the machine and human would be much closer. Like what you said, I, I think it's uh, it resonates for me, but let me suggest like a small uh, modification, which I think is critical. So I think what the future is going to be a bit more iterative. Like for example, a machine would go over your entire repository if it exists and tell you all of the best practices that it sees. 
And then it actually can do it not only in one repository, it could do it on many. And then uh, like a few tech leads can go over it and say, oh my gosh, this is how we wanted to do it actually, and not like this. And by the way, uh, this is our best practices for testing. This is our best practice for calling API. This is how we like to do the queuing. This is how we like to do caching and all that. And like it'll be configurable. Uh, like the rules will actually be a mix of AI suggestion to human definition on like the best practices that a company wants or, or a group of developer wants to apply. And then that's the amazing thing. The agents or the assistant that will connect it to this configuration will be able to help junior developers raise their level really quickly. Not only raise their level, but also raise their level with, to fit the, the knowledge and best practices in the company. So this is how I think this aspect of the future is going to look like. So, you know, we, we see a lot of stuff, people worrying about uh, AI taking coders' jobs, right? But it seems like the, the actual tools that are coming out are these sort of assistants, right? These these things that are replacing parts of the workflow that are a pain. Do you think that there will be any sort of threat to coders in the future, or do you think it's all a bunch of uh, you know hand wringing? So I think first of all, it's like predicting in general is really hard, especially the future. And I think there is like a difference between five years to ten years and fifteen years. Like I think it's it's really hard to predict the fifteen years part. Uh, but here's how I see the, the five years part. Think about people are actually overestimating the capabilities of technology right now and are underestimating the capabilities in the long future. Okay, so I think right now, if you actually play with these tools, there is those times that where you're, you're, oh, like you're wow, like I can't believe it, it managed to do that, it's so intelligent. But then, like, oh my gosh, it's so stupid, like in other two cases. And so I, I believe, like, in the next few years, yes, it's going to advance really crazy and, and fastly but but still i believe that uh there will be actually even at least the same amount of demand for developer as it is today again i'm talking about a five so i think like um 80 of the software and i'm talking really roughly speaking i don't have the exact numbers you would need need less developers i think if these companies these products will will exploit generative ai technology like the no code low code uh, frameworks, they would be able to do much more than than they could before. So creators would be able to create software that is more flexible than it was before. Like supposedly, we should say, okay, there is need for less developers. But at the same time, I think like developers would be able with this technology to do much more sophisticated programs, much more complicated programs to take, you know satellites and, and whatever uh, that requires zero bugs. <laughs> take us to and, Mars. And take us to Mars. And that will actually, like, demand for that software will even increase because for, for, for different reasons. So so I think, like, at least for five years, many more people that are not developers will be able to develop, but also developers will be able to do much more that they can do in the past in sophisticated software. And they will be less focused on building a simple PHP website or something like that. Sorry for the PHP right. dudes. Yeah, I love that idea. You know, I think one of the things that stood out to me recently was that all teenagers now are their own video and audio editors, right? And that used to be yep. kind of advanced skills, which you needed certain technology or training for. Now everybody is kind of their own multimedia producer. And to your point, maybe in the future, everyone will also be, you know, at least at a low level, you know, their own software developer creating their own website or exactly. their own app or whatever the project may be. All right, very cool, everybody. Today, I want to shout out Hector M, awarded a Lifeboat badge on May 20th for coming in and rescuing a question with a score of negative three or less. How to convert a string to Boolean in C. 
Hector has got an answer for you and we've helped over 300,000 people. So appreciate you sharing the knowledge. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions for the show, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can find me at rthordonovan. I am Kyle Matowski, a senior software developer here on Stack Overflow on our public platform team. You can find me on Twitter at KyleMittBTV and also at Stack Overflow in user ID 1366033. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for hosting me. I'm Itamar Friedman, the CEO and co-founder of Codium AI, which is C-O-D-I-U-M-A-I. And you can find me personally on Twitter, uh, Itamar, I-T-A-M-A-R underscore M-A-R, Itamar Mar at Twitter. All right, everybody. As always, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. 